Welcome everybody to a, uh, I guess, late in the week edition, now Thursday edition of Leading to Sales. My name is Brett Williams and as every episode, I will be your host. And today I am very excited about our guest because we are going to venture into a realm that is near and dear to my heart. Um, our guest is Sarah Howard. She is the founder of Human Centered Sales. And if that doesn't tell you enough about Sarah, then I don't know what else will. Um, and that's the subject that's very near and dear to my heart. And she's named her company that. So I'm not sure how you could get much better. Um, she, she specializes in helping entrepreneurs and sales teams really develop their sales mindsets at a whole nother level. And she does it by focusing on cultural dynamics, which I think is such a critical part, especially in today's world where it feels like our culture is having to shift by the hour, much less by the week or the quarter. And she's got a background in sales. She's obviously got a background in workplace culture. And I love how she approaches things from a very psychological standpoint. So she, we're going to be right back with Sarah right after this. And I'm telling you, you're going to get a lot out of this. So make sure that you are liking this, that you're sharing this with your colleagues so that we make sure that we're all actually moving toward human-centered sales. And man, that sounded like an infomercial, but you know what I mean. So right, we'll be right back with Sarah right after this. Welcome to the Leading to Sales podcast. Every week, we're bringing you leadership, sales, and marketing strategies to help you move your business forward. Here's our host, internationally known sales and marketing leader, Brett Williams. Hey, Sarah, welcome to the show. Thanks for coming on. Hey, Brett, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So um, like I said in the intro, um, you're the, you've literally named your business something that is just so near and dear to my heart. Um, so, you know, we got a chance to get introduced. I think Colin actually introduced us, right? Yeah, that's true. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So um, when I started going through some of your stuff as, you know, when he recommended you as a guest on the show, once I saw the mindset that you approach sales with, I was like, we're thinking on the same lines. We got to make sure this happens. Yeah. Um, so tell us, you know, before we dive into everything, like I sometimes, you know, get carried away and want to do when I get excited about stuff like this, tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, a little bit about your background and uh, what's kind of brought you to where you're at. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, like you said, background in sales, studied psychology in school. Um, and really what happened was I faced a lot of, um, mindsets that were holding me back as a saleswoman. Yeah. Um, things like imposter syndrome, scarcity mindset, um, often didn't feel a sense of belonging on my team. Um, and once I was really able to overcome these things and this kind of personal um, development piece, um, then I was able to achieve top performance um, in specifically in selling solar or software as a service in um, tech uh, in Silicon Valley and also selling, um, selling different types of consulting services as well. That's awesome. And you know, what's, yeah. what's interesting and I didn't realize your back, I knew you had a background somewhat in, in software. Mm -hmm. Um, but apart from software, I mean, selling solar and software, those have to be two of probably the most competitive mm -hmm. niches to learn sales in across the board. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Mm -hmm. So it sounds like it was probably a bit of a trial by fire. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, 
you know, something I love about sales is that we're all change makers, right? We're essentially yeah. asking the customer to change the way that they're doing things. And so um, in in both of those scenarios, um, we were, you know, solar is a whole new way of getting your energy consumption. A lot of the times the software I was selling, I, for example, I was um, telling selling software to college bookstores and asking them to change the way that they're um, selling and consuming content, uh, their students consuming content online rather than via textbook. So it's like this whole mindset shift um, that I got to explore with my clients. So tell me a little bit, um, you know, because we all have our own definitions of things. So, you know, you've named your company human-centered sales. Sure. Um, so tell me what that means to you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So um, it's a spinoff of human-centered design. Okay. So I don't know if you're familiar with that um, model or framework, but it's a design strategy um, that really leverages empathy and lets go of assumption and just enters into this like blank slate uh, when designing a product. So we want to really create things from a place that um, the consumer really needs and wants. And so I kind of um, anchored to those pillars of empathy and, and things like that in uh, human-centered design. And I was like, hey, this is a lot, a very similar of how I approach and think about sales. So um, I kind of just, you know, pulled that in. And the more I got to thinking about it in terms of like, okay, well, if it's not, if it's human-centered, then what is it not? And um, so sometimes I think about how it's um, sales doesn't have to be profit-centered, but if we're human-centered, then sales be and profit becomes a byproduct of these human-centered efforts. So that's a, a you know nuanced and you know small shift, um, but I think that it's seen real results. I don't think I don't I, when I think about it, I don't I really don't think that it is such a, a nuanced shift in my opinion. Because mm -hmm. yeah. um, I think there you know some people would say that it's a false dichotomy, but I, I think we really do have this dichotomy that's taking place. Yeah. And I think the pandemic has has uh, exaggerated this, where we're starting to realize, and and I say we, I mean like the macro we, um, are starting to realize that this profit centered mindset is going to ultimately proverbially put us into the poorhouse. Yeah, um, and that you know people are starting to realize more and more the value and the importance of empathy. Um, funny enough, you know, you mentioned the, the empathy focus several months ago, and I can't even remember exactly when it was my brother who just so happens to be in marketing. I think it just runs in our blood. Um, he, I had him on the show and I asked him what he saw the future of, of sales and marketing as, um, and he is more focused in a, um, luxury real estate market, but he said that he believes we're entering the age of the empath. Um, mm. where from the sales and marketing process as a whole, that if we don't latch on to that age of empath mentality and relating to people, and it's not just about digital personalization, it's about actual connection and actual right. human connection, then we're right. going to get left behind. Right. Um, so I told him I'm actually going to steal that phrase and I, I should probably trademark it and then yeah. roll from there. <laughs> yeah. No, I love that. And, you know, if I would add to it, I think that, you know, what would be even like cooler is the age of compassion, right? Yes. Like um, compassion is, 
in, involves empathy, but it also involves a sense of mindfulness, right? And so if we're um, empathic, but also mindful of our own experience and not meshing into someone else's experience, then we're able to make a broader impact. Um, and so I think that the age of compassion, the age of empathy, I think it's all very, very great and a, the right path in, in my mind. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. So I, I know you help um, entrepreneurs and sales teams really develop or really develop into this human centered sales. And, and we've got Rena popping in here saying that she actually offers human centered design consulting services. And so she's, you know, your messaging is really resonating. That's <laughs> awesome. Um, so when we're, when I'm thinking about what this looks like and deploying, um, I guess maybe I should approach this from two different perspectives. Um, let's, let's talk about what the difference in a sales process looks like when we're focused, when we're human centered, mm -hmm. um, versus what is a more typical profit centered quarter to quarter growth focused sales process. What does that look like when you're beginning to make that change, whether it's as an entrepreneur or a sales team? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I think that, you know, it takes, uh, uh, sales managers as coaches, first and foremost, right? Like, so how are we um, coaching our teams? How are we really connecting with our teams in a way that's creating a um, high value exchange with our employees? Because we're doing that all the time with our customers, right? But how are we really tapping into our employees and seeing, okay, what, what are you actually motivated by? Like, what um, where, where's your career trajectory going? Like, what do you love about this job and what could be better? And creating that high value exchange um, and have, have adopting that coaching mindset um, so that you don't create a team or a culture of learned helplessness, right, for example. Because if a manager's always stepping in and yeah. um, micromanaging or they're always making the clothes because they're worried you're going to make a mistake, like that's going to create a culture of learned helplessness and it's not going to um, allow the team to rise up. So that's one, one way. And then, you know, in terms of the process, I always anchor to the discovery call. And I think that that is um, a really big place where you can make um, human centered adjustments and, um, really value the connection to set that tone uh, for the rest of the conversation. But just briefly, like those are two that come to mind. That's awesome. I, I hope that everybody that's tuning in right now and those, if you're driving, listening to this as a podcast later on, as I know a lot of our audience does, don't take my advice on this, but I hope you're taking notes because I'm already a couple pages in and this is good stuff. <laughs> um, so, you know, one of the things that really stuck out to me um, about your background, Sarah, and, and I'm going to tie this into the second piece about what human centered sales looks like, is that you're not just a sales consultant and coach. You also help people in developing stress, ma stress management and mental mm -hmm. health. Mm -hmm. And I suspect, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, I suspect <laughs> that helping sales organizations and, and entrepreneurs transform their mind mindset into a more human-centered approach facilitates the, the stress management and mental health. Yeah, um, so tell us a little bit about some of the results that you're seeing within these organizations of changes of culture and things like that. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, 
So yeah, I have a background as a, I'm a stress management um, coach and a mental health coach. Um, and so I leverage um, HRV biofeedback actually as a way to really tap into the body. Um, I'm actually wearing the device right now. So it vibrates when my HRV um, dips and it's essentially telling me that I'm in my fight or flight um, nervous system. And then I, it guides me through a breathing practice um, to help me increase my HRV and, and back into that rest and digest. So I'm actually, I can like look at my phone right now and see like, you know, where my stress is at. And, and also like, there's also the difference between distress and eustress right now. So I'm, I'm in eustress, which is good stress. I'm alert. I'm ready for this call. And so there's um, a mindset there of like, oh, like stress is bad versus stress is good type of thing. And so um, I think that sales specifically, um, this culture often faces stress just in the nature of um, the way that uh, our performance metrics are built and um, just kind of the culture that is sales is like this go-getter attitude. And like, you know, oftentimes our self-worth is tied to our, um, tied to our, uh, numbers and our quotas. Yeah. So it creates a lot of this, um, this limbic brain activation, this st chronic stress that we're always in. And so to be able to leverage tools like HRV biofeedback, like mindfulness, like um, just general, you know, parts work and under working with our inner critics, like this is all really, really important, especially in um, just a go, go, go environment, like in sales. And I'm sorry yeah. if I took that kind of in too many directions, but no, please no. steer the ship. <laughs> no, this is good. This is good. Yeah. Cause I, I think, you know, one of the things that I've noticed is as, as we have, you know, pre pandemic, and I think it's getting better. I, I genuinely, I see progress in this, in that organizations and leadership are becoming more human focused internally. And one of the things I wrote down here was, was having sales managers as coaches that are starting with their own internal customers and their own internal customers being their sales teams. Mm -hmm. um, but as I'm thinking through this, I'm just thinking about how interconnected so much of this is, because if you, if you don't have this human centered approach, both from a stress management, as well as from a performance management, you know, lens, then you're going to end up with people performing subpar consistently. Right. Uh, um, and there's always going to be outliers. That's just, you know, Malcolm Gladwell, there's always going to be outliers, outliers, but uh, it seems like when you're able to come in and I guess you could say help, help organizations strike this balance of yeah. actually having a healthy sales culture, which <laughs> unfortunately sometimes can seem like an impossibility, like a Nirvana type thing. Right. Um, what are some of the biggest things that you see today that are impediments to this healthy sales culture? Yeah. Yeah. I'd say that um, psychological safety is a huge component of a, of a healthy culture. So feeling mm -hmm. like it's safe to ask quote unquote stupid questions, mind you, there's no stupid questions, but and if there's a lack of psychological safety, people won't be, um, okay with being vulnerable in this learning, um, mindset and this growth mindset. Right. So, um, that's huge. I'd say that, um, in terms of, um, 
I kind of forgot where I was going with that thread. <laughs> That's okay. I was, I was, ask, I was yeah. asking along the lines of like the obstacles that we see that are putting in place. And you talked about yeah. this, that a lack of psychological like safety. A, right. Yeah. And then maybe some other obstacles that, that mm -hmm. you see in creating that, that healthy sales environment. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I think that, you know, there's a lot of the times people, Okay, so this might be antithetical to most of your beliefs, <laughs> but I truly do feel like the quota is is really um, hindering uh, a healthy mindset and a yes. um, mental health in, in the sales team. And I think that there's way more innovative ways to do it. It's one of the things that I do with a lot of my teams and um, and I get that it's completely antithetical to most people's beliefs who are probably listening to this right now. Um, <laughs> so that's kind of why I'm stuttering. Yeah. But, uh, but basically, it, create, it ends up creating this um, mindset of scarcity. Yeah. And scarcity just meaning there's never enough. There's yes. never enough leads. There's never enough money. There's never enough, um, you know, deals. Um, and being tied to a quota creates a scarcity mindset, especially if you're an underperformer. And it just drills you down into the black hole that is um, that is our limbic brain and our fight yeah. or flight brain. And, and oftentimes people are like, well, if I'm not being motivated by this number, or if I'm not, um, if I'm not being if my inner critic isn't online and being like really mean to myself to motivate me, then I'm not going to get anything done. But yeah. in fact, fighter being in that fight or flight hyper stress chronic stress mode it more leads to depression which is not a motivating mindset whatsoever yeah. and compassion actually releases oxytocin in the brain which is way more motivating yeah. and so um the science of compassion and the science of um, like our neur neurology is all coming out around motivation. And I think that it's time to adopt a new motivation tactic that is aligned with mental health in the workplace. And I think that COVID is, um, is really bringing healthy workplace culture and um, mental health to the forefront. And that's one of the yeah. things that I'm really excited about. Yeah, I think it'll be great. So firstly, because I've, I've got a, a follow-up question to what you just said, and mm -hmm. I love it. I yeah. absolutely love it. Okay. <laughs> um, but before we go into that, I want people to be aware. Um, so Sarah has been so gracious to make available to everybody who's tuning in. Um, if you go to, and, and I'll have all these links and all the comments and all the, the show notes for those of you who are tuning in, in your vehicle right now, but sarahhoward.com slash free resources. She has put together an amazing business strategy template um, that it's one of the deepest templates that I've ever seen. This is not some you know freebie that she put together yet last night in order to have something. This is a template that will make you go deep. And I, I, I absolutely love it. So go pick that up. Um, but and if you're wanting to really get in the weeds, if you will, with Sarah about how, you know, you're already loving what she's saying. You're already seeing where, you know, your quota is more of an obstacle to your culture than it is a benefit. Go and go and get reach out to Sarah, get get that pick up that uh, free template or that free business strategy template and then go reach out to Sarah. But I do want to ask you from a macro perspective, because, I, you know, being an entrepreneur and, um, you know, I am blessed to be mentored by uh, Jeffrey Gittimer, the king of sales, the writer of the Little Red Book of Selling and things like that. And I think you and he would have a lot of alignment on this. Mm 
but tell me from a macro standpoint. I mean, obviously I'm not looking for, you know, to, for you to tell everybody that's tuning in right now exactly how to do it. They need to come to you because it's going to be case <laughs> by case. Sure. But when I'm thinking about this from a perspective of an entrepreneur, a type A, you know, driver entrepreneur, and I think about, okay, I can definitely see what you're, where, where you're coming from on the quota, without a doubt. Um, you know, I've got a wife who's got a, a clinical psychology background. And so I, I've heard these things before. <laughs> Doesn't mean I've done that great about putting them into practice. Sure. But when I'm thinking about this, you know, from my perspective, being that type A driver personality, the numbers do motivate me, you know, yeah. the performance side of it does. But I recognize that as my wife often tells me, 90% of society does not think the way that I do. <laughs> and so when I'm thinking about this from a practical standpoint, um, you know, I've got a sales team in place and I want to facilitate their performance as best as possible. But I also want, I also need to make sure that we're moving forward as a business how do we strike that balance and, and what are, you know, maybe some alternatives that you would want to share from having that set quota that's causing that unnecessary chronic stress? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, Lindsay McGregor and Neil, Neil D, <laughs> uh, are authors of a book called prime to perform. And they talk a lot about adaptive, um, performance metrics versus tactical performance metrics. And so I'm not saying throw out quotas completely. Um, I think that they can be a guiding force. And like I mentioned before, like having coaches as man managers as coaches and really getting clear on what motivates people, like great, if numbers motivate you, let's use those. Right. And I think that it can be really informative to have these tactical performance metrics. But I think what's happening in a lot of sales teams is that there's not a good balance between tactical and adaptive performance metrics and um, and over um, arching on the tactical performance metrics and even anchoring to PIP plans if you're not hitting those performance metrics and just being narrow-minded that it's just the salesperson's fault for that rather than taking a broader scope of um, the culture and how they might not be supported based off the culture that they're in or based off of the resources that they have, or, you know, there's, there's a way in which we need to take a U-turn back to ourselves and um, try to be a little bit more introspective as managers and, um, and, and take a broader scan of, you know, the environment, right? Because like, when we're pointing the finger, there's also three fingers pointing back. And yeah. so how can we um, hold each other accountable and really um, emphasizing that holding aspect of accountability because it's not just the one person's fault it's the whole team it's the it's the managers it's this it's the system that they're in and yeah. i think that you know a lot of the times we're just not looking at that yeah totally agree and that's one of the things that a, a previous mentor of mine used to often say was that brett uh, he, he i can't tell you how many times he would say brett success happens in environments mm-hmm and failure also happens in environments. You just have to decide what kind of environment you're building. Exactly. Um, yeah. And so I love the the self evaluation and accountability. So, coming at this from the perspective as you know, many of our of our listeners are either sales leaders um, mm -hmm. at the VP level or above, or they are entrepreneurs who may be in the early stages of building these sales environments, um, uh, these sales teams and sales cultures. Really, mm -hmm. how do we make sure? as leaders that 
as we're moving forward and we're building these environments that we're doing so to have that healthy, that healthy environment. Um, part of it being higher Sarah, <laughs> that's just Brett's plug. Um, but how do we make sure that as we're building out these cultures that number one, we're either starting from a good foundation mm-hmm. or that, you know, if we're coming into an, to an organization, we're having to overhaul things. What are some, some tactics and approaches that you can, that you could probably give us some tips to start off? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, so culture, you know, you can kind of get away with just um, letting the culture be itself when you have under 50 people, because you can kind of like work, um, you can build relationships with those 50 people and um, the culture seems to set and the rituals seem to set. But once you kind of um, go over that threshold, it's good to be a little bit more proactive in how you're shaping the culture. And so this doesn't mean just doing a top-down approach of like, okay, what are the leader's values? And then how are we going to implement those values into the culture? But really taking a look at where do we want this culture to grow? Because and who on our team really represents our culture and, and like the star kind of performer and what are their values and how I, might we leverage those values um, to anchor to as our culture scales, right? Because the value, per, if you think about your personal values, those are what, um, you know, shape our behavior and um, how we select, you know, how we orient through this world, like a purchasing decision, people buy based off of what they value, right? So one of my core values is play, right? So maybe I'm going to buy, you know, this game over there because it relates to one of my core values and it's a community-based game and community is another one of my core values. So it's like, yeah, this game is exactly what I want to buy. And it's what I want to buy because it's what I value. And so um, values really guide, they act as a way to guide um, a group of people towards a, a shared common purpose. So um, mission, vision, values, of course, it's like pretty surface level culture type of stuff, but that's kind of more of the why behind why values are so important because then you don't need to micromanage people. You just yeah. get to guide them towards this value and make sure that value is really defined so people can know how to take action based off of that value. Yeah, yeah. And it, it reminds me a lot of... Um... Simon Sinek's book, Start With Why, which mm-hmm. um, I'm sure you've heard of at least. And that's it's a, it's a book where it talks about having clarity around the values of your organization and them not just being the placard that's in the lobby, you know, right. that everybody walks by. And if you asked anybody in the organization, even the people who created them, none of them could recite them. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, you know, when we're when we're developing these values, it sounds like you're saying, um, especially in larger organizations where you've got larger, um, larger sales teams that we really need to make it a community approach to the development of these values so that there's more ownership. Is that, yeah. is, am I picking that up right? Well, it's not even just that there's more ownership. It's that like, you know, just because a leader has this value doesn't mean that's the best value for the organization. Okay. Right. So what are the goal? What are the outcomes that we want? Do we want customer centricity? Do we want collaborative sales team or do we want a competitive sales team? Right. The way that you shape your values and the way that you shape um, the motivation tactics are going to govern whether or not, you know, you're customer centric or 
Hot Collaborative, for example. I love that. I love that. And I love how it's how the way you're positioning this and the way you're, you're explaining it to me is it is so adaptive based off of the, the goals and, and where you're moving towards. It's not, okay, Hey, this is a good way to go. If you want to, to have a customer centric environment, but if you want to have a competitive environment, go find somebody else to talk to. Mm-hmm. It, it definitely seems like this is much more, a much more adaptive approach. Mm-hmm. And it, um, it's, I guess in today's culture where you're going to have the gamut, you know, you're going to have that, environment that needs to be a little bit more or they want to be a little bit more cutthroat (laughs) for lack of a better term. And then, you know, you can have the alternative. So I love that. I love that. Um, so tell me, you know, we're, we're starting to come towards the, the closing portions of the show. Um, obviously I think that going into, I gotta remember, gotta look at my notes, remember what you called it. Um, the age of compassion, which I love. I'm not going <laughs> to steal that one because that one's yours. You, and I can steal my brother's. That's different. Um, <laughs> but as we're going into this age of compassion, I don't think anyone that is even mildly aware of the current environment would say we're not going into the age of compassion. As we're going into this age of compassion, um, how can, as people are wanting to adapt to this, how can people begin to reach out to you and, and see some of the, the thought process and framework that you use and maybe potentially even engage you to help develop their sales team or their sales culture or maybe even just their company as a whole? Mm-hmm. Yeah. In terms of like how to reach out yeah, like, to me? Yeah. Like what, how, how are ways yeah. that, that they can utilize you to help yeah. them in, in developing this? Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. So um, if you are a sales leader, um, I want to, I'm going to be releasing a think tank uh, next month. Um, okay. And I want to get uh, human centered sales leaders all in the same place um, so that we can really jam together and I can, you know, guide us through some educational moments and do some kind of group coaching experiences. But I think that there's um, so much knowledge out there already. And I think that there's a way in which we can grow in community. So if you're if you're a sales leader and this is resonating with you and you want to do some sort of lightweight community building around this topic, um, please reach out to me. Uh, you can do so on LinkedIn or, or on my website there. Um, also, as a, in terms of um, if you're a sales leader and you already have a sales enablement program and it's really good at like, training sales skills, training um, on your material and your content of how to sell your product, but you aren't really... Um, you don't have a lot around mindset or behavior shifting or cultural shifting. Um, I have a five week, uh, really lightweight, um, built for busy salespeople, um, uh, sales enablement program really, uh, that can go alongside your already developed, um, sales enablement program. And then also, um, yeah, that free resources page. Um, if you are, uh, you know, an entrepreneur or looking to um, get some one-on-one coaching, you know, you can start with that free resources page and then we can use that as kind of the framework to map up, map, map out our engagement. <laughs> but um, yeah, I'm happy to offer uh, complimentary sessions to start to get to know each other as well. So awesome. Well, yeah, thank you for that. And so again, I've put her, I put Sarah's website um, below 
And did I, I did. Okay. I just wanted to make sure that I, um, so sarahahoward.com slash free resources. Make sure to check that out. And I'll put the links for that in the comments and in the show notes page. And then I'll also put Sarah's um, LinkedIn information. If you're watching this on LinkedIn, she's already tagged in this post. So pretty easy to find her. <laughs> um, but uh, with that, before we're, before we close out, um, I just wanted to kind of open it up to any closing thoughts that you may have had or closing words for sales leaders as we are facing this consistent uncertainty right now. I think that's the only thing that we can really use to characterize the time that yeah. we're in is consistent uncertainty. Um, yeah. What are some closing thoughts that you may have for them um, as we're moving forward so that we can continue to actually grow and learn like this? Yeah, I would say that, you know, we live in a world of VUCA, which is volatility, uncertainty, ambiguity, and complexity. And so there's no way that we can really control any of that. What we can control are our thoughts and our breath. And um, and yeah, I'd say my, my hope is that we continue to build that resilience around um, and really continue to turn inwards and heal so that we can continue to uh, face this world of VUCA and continue to um, hedge forward. I so, love that. Love that. Yeah. Well, thank you so much again for coming on again. One last time, if you haven't already picked it up, make sure to go pick up Sarah's business strategy guide. I'm telling you, I've, I've been looking through it and I'm, I'm excited to even take myself through this because it's a deep practice and I think it'll make a big bit difference in your business. Plus it, you'll get a chance to, to begin to interact with Sarah. So thank you for coming on and sharing this human centered approach to sales. Um, if you don't mind to hang out for just a second, I'll just go ahead and close this out. Okay. All right. Thanks, Brett. Thank you, Sarah. So with that, um, you know, I, you, I'm sharing the links. I'll make sure that you've got all the links to um, get in touch with Sarah make sure that you're that as you're building and thinking about your organization and this is not an option anymore guys this is we're in a we're in a realm where if you are going to survive into the future you have to build environments that are going to actually attract the right talent and enable that talent to perform at the highest level um, and that's what sarah is focused on right now and i think it's more important than it has ever been because we're going to because if you're one of those leaders who does that you're going to attract the highest form of talent. And if you're one of those leaders who don't, then you're going to lose all your talent and your sales are going to go to the, you know. So anyway, um, from that, uh, we will be live again on Monday. That is, believe it or not, May 10th, 2021. We'll be live on Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern. We'll, we will be live with none other than Andy Paul. He will be coming on as a guest. Um, and we will be, we're excited to talk about, talk to Andy. Um, so make sure to tune in then. And until then, just remember, I'm here to keep reminding you that you should either be giving value or don't even bother.